Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, sports fans. My name is Jake Nazuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So, it's been a crazy time over this last month. Sports is finally back, but it's kind of iffy on if things are going to be continuing. As we've seen, there was a massive outbreak in the Miami Marlins franchise. Who knows what's going to happen with the NFL with all these players opting out. It's so incredible, everything that is happening in sports and just in general in 2020. What an unusual year. But I hope everybody has been staying as safe as possible during these weird times. Still trying to find ways during this summer to have fun and enjoy your time outside. But I really appreciate you tuning into the podcast this week to be able to hear me and my good friend Matt Provost talk about some baseball. So like I just said, I have a good friend of mine as a guest today, Matt Provost. He is the founder of Everything MLB, the Instagram account, and he was actually a former bat boy for the AA affiliate uh, for the Blue Jays. So how's it going, Matt? Well, th- first off, thank you for having me, Jake. It's uh, it's good to be here, and I'm quite honored with all the other list of guests you've had to, that you thought of to have me on. So it's quite the honor. I'm I'm good to be here. It's good to be here. Absolutely, man. It it's it's great to have you on, and it's really crazy what you've been able to do since 2012 with your Instagram account, Everything MLB. I mean, looking just at the follower account, uh, follower account at the moment, it's at 88.9 thousand. And I'm curious, how did you start this account? So I started out of pure boredom, which, uh, and I could, could have never ever pictured getting to the follower count it is at right now. Um, I was just bored in my bed one day and I said, you know what? I have a huge passion for baseball. And so I said, I'm going to start, start this account. Why not? And I'd post random things. I'd post rosters. I'd post random pictures, you know, 12 year old me, what am I going to do? Um, and then once I started gaining followers, just because it was one of the first baseball accounts and I posted all the time. Um, it just started gaining followers and I started getting more serious about it. So uh, that's how that kind of one thing led to another. And now I'm here. I am today. That's awesome. That That's really cool. How, you know, you started something just out of pure boredom and then it turned into something way greater than you actually even imagined it to be. Oh, for sure. Like I could have never, I could have never ever pictured this. And especially, you know, now with all the, I've had some MLB players follow and like the posts and repost their, um, you know, it, it, whatever, whatever it is. So, that's really good to see. That's pretty cool. So, like, what kind of MLB players either follow you or, or have, like, really kind of engaged with your account? So, in the past, um, I've had a lot more likes and DMs and comments. You know, I haven't really had time to go through the followers necessarily, but um, some of the likes from, like, Jose Reyes, Yasiel Puig, um, Eric Thames, Tori Hunter, LCDs Escobar, just, you know, a list of, a list of guys that, you know, uh, that have been in the league for a while and, trying to get their attention by, you know, back in the day, I used to post edits of them or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'd, they'd like it. Um, but one of the things that really um, stood out to me was how guys, when I was working as a bat boy, knew about my page. Um, that was the coolest thing for me. And especially one time when our friend Max, who was a co-bat boy with me at the Fish Cats, one time he saw a player scrolling through my Instagram. And Max said, hey, do you know that the other bat boy runs that account? And he said, oh, I had no idea. And we got together and he started talking about my account. So that was one really cool thing that happened a couple of years ago that really uh, made me want to keep posting and, and stay motivated with the account. That's pretty funny how, how that happened. And yeah, uh, we have a mutual good friend, Max, who actually worked with Matt uh, as a bat boy for the Fisher Cats. And 
he actually told me that story and, and I couldn't believe it that it actually something that like that actually happened where a player that you're actually you know working with has noticed your account and I, I was I was curious like how cool was that was that when you actually noticed that this account was starting to turn into something much bigger than you really even thought oh yeah that's when I knew it wasn't just pure boredom and you know posting whatever I wanted I, I knew that's when it turned into something that players actually use for news and that's when I knew you know even at 15 years old um, at that age that I should start taking it a little more seriously as players were getting their information from my Instagram page, which was quite flattering. And uh, the player actually was Ryan McMahon of the Colorado Rockies. So not to name drop, but, uh, um, you know, they, and he, I'm glad he uses my uh, page for a source of news. So um, hopefully I can keep spreading that and keep it growing, you know, especially as a lot of people are inside and got nothing better to do. Hopefully I can be the source of MLB news for, for a lot of people on Instagram. Exactly. That, that's pretty cool. I mean, and, and Ryan McMahon is not like a small name either. You know, he's one of the biggest no. prospects coming up for the Rockies. And sure. it, it, it must have been really cool. But I mean, especially during like this quarantine when everything has just been, you know, very silent in the sports world. It was a very tough, like sort of trying to think of different intriguing content uh, that that would uh, make your followers want to engage. Oh, that was very difficult. That that stretch of time, you know, from March to um, to around now, honestly, you know, I, I was posting a lot of videos, you know, that would try to attract more followers. So during that time, I, I kind of strayed away from the news aspect and tried to post videos that people would either find funny or interesting, such as, you know, videos of Moon and Eric Kawasaki or different, you know, funny college baseball videos or what have you that would just get views and, um, you know, just hopefully attract more audiences or more people to the page. So kind of had to switch my approach a little bit, but um, now I'm back to posting news and, and uh, going to see where that takes me from here. Exactly. And, and there was some really kind of, in my opinion, heartbreaking news that came out just a few days ago just about the corona outbreak in Miami or or just throughout sure. the Miami Marlins roster, excuse me. And and it came out that at least 14 players have been tested positive. And it actually came out this morning that the number's up to 17. And it's crazy just how, in my opinion, the MLB didn't think about that this was going to happen. I bet they knew that this was going to happen, but at the same yeah. time, it's it seems like everybody's just rushing to figure out what what's the next move? And it, it was it kind of seemed like a whole surprise that something like this happened. And in in my opinion, in my opinion, I, I think that the MLB should have planned way more ahead for something exactly like this to happen. For sure, I completely agree with you. And uh, the biggest issue for me uh, with this outbreak with the Marlins is that a lot of it was left up to the players, which you know they can say they have the MLB can say they have as good of protocols as they want, but it won't matter if the protocols are left up to the players and if they're very arbitrary. Um, so you can say whatever you, the, the front office and the commissioner's office can say whatever they want, but if the players don't necessarily have to follow it, then what good are the rules, right? Um, but I think the good thing is, if we're going to take any optimism out of this, is that it appears to be just a Marlins issue at this point um, because in the past few weeks there have been zero COVID tests, positive COVID tests for other teams, but around we're getting close to 20 for the Marlins now. So... Right. I just heard, you know, from numerous sources, like they kind of do in the MLS, you know, the, whatever it is um, with the Marlins, they can just kind of tell them, oh, okay, you're not going to play. You're not going to play for this time because almost as a punishment, right? Because of, of negligence. So that's, that's what we're looking at here. And we, we'll be see, we'll, we'll have to see what happens because a lot of these rules are going to be new because they've never had to be used before. Exactly. And as, as we saw 
there's been massive postponage for the Yankees, the Phillies, just in the sense of the Marlins were just in Philadelphia a few days ago. And it's crazy to even think that now that whole clubhouse is just infected. And, and, you know, it came out in a report and Jeff Passon said this perfectly. He's like, it came out that no COVID test for the Phillies, but at the same time, it's been two days. And from, from my knowledge, it takes two weeks for the COVID for, for like the COVID symptoms to actually start showing. And so nobody actually knows if anybody in Philadelphia has COVID or COVID related symptoms or could be susceptible to spreading it in Philadelphia. And and that is just very scary scary for me. And obviously it's just, it's just the hardest part about this whole pandemic. Yeah. So as much as we want to see baseball happen, you know, and as much as the players want to play, there need to be protocols in place that make sure that this doesn't happen anywhere else. Right. So I think the only thing MLB can do right now is contain it. Mm-hmm. It happened. All you can do is contain it. And we'll have to see how well do they handle it. And if this happens with another team, I think that seriously puts the, the season in jeopardy. I agree with you. I mean, that was one of the points that I wrote down uh, when I was researching for this podcast is, is about if this happens again, could this end the MLB season? And it's crazy that we're only in the first week. So this could yeah. 100% happen again to where who knows if – if just one player gets, you, you know, makes uh, COVID spread just somewhere in some city and then it just goes over to the other team and then the whole clubhouse and the clubhouse staff is just infected, it, it could just turn into a huge mess. Oh, yeah. And being in a clubhouse, I just know, and working in a clubhouse for years, I know that those places are incubators right. for disease, right? Naturally, being in a closed space, you know, underground, that's not doesn't really uh bode well for for uh, the coronavirus or it does bode well for the coronavirus and doesn't bode well for the players um so hopefully well the good thing is from from what they're saying is that you know the spread it, does, it doesn't spread uh, as much outdoors so we're going to hope and hopefully grasp onto that and hope that the Phillies don't have positive tests coming up but as you said we never know and it takes you know it can take weeks so we shall see yeah that's that's a very scary and in, in my opinion kind of kind of just like an unknown and, and yeah in, in my opinion this sort of situation the unknown is is just like not an excuse right now because with all these players that just like not only i don't want to say put their life on the lines but you could also make that point as well but just just putting their family's safety in jeopardy you know their own safety i mean you saw what happened with eduardo rodriguez the guy's 27 years old and he's having yeah. heart issues from this it's, it's just mind-boggling to me of of the preparation of how long the MLB had to be able to prepare for something like this. I mean, they, they were fighting with the MLBPA for three to four months and, and the protocols, like something like this wasn't bulletproof. I, I don't know. May, maybe I'm just being too harsh on them and this is just something that you can't control just because of this pandemic. But it, it, it just is very surprising to me of how Wait. surprised that they were that something like this even happened. Yeah, but you're right. You know, almost you almost need to be a little harsh when it comes to this stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. it's something we haven't seen. You know, pandemics come around, you know, an estimate one in every hundred years for, you know, and we haven't seen anything like this. Nobody's ever seen anything like this in their lifetimes. So, you know, it's almost everything is unprecedented. There's no really there's no precedent for any of this. Right. So it is important to be a little harsh, as you're saying, right? Because um, one thing like the Marlins can spread like wildfire. 
you never and you never know it can infect uh, one player like Juan Soto and he can be out for a certain period of time. And then, you know, what do we think of when we in 2021, 2022 and the years going forward of this season? Right. What do we see if a team wins the World Series, but they don't have their star player? Right. Or if it, so we don't know. There's a lot. Exactly. I mean, as everybody really talked about at the start of this season, it's going to kind of have to have an asterisk over it. And it's unfortunate for the team. If we even get to the World Series, the team's a, the team that is going to win the World Series this next year, in my opinion, and, and, and my, I, I think a lot of people think the same exact way, you didn't really win it just because it's, it's not a, a normal season. You know what I unless, mean? It's 60 unless games. the Toronto Blue Jays win it, then I will fully give them <laughs> every single credit because I'm biased. I know what you mean. I, yeah, you know, I could say the same exact thing about the Red Sox. But I, yeah. I, I mean, that's one of the biggest things when, uh, you know, Jeff Passon was talking about the whole 60-game season. The biggest note was when you look at a team like the Washington Nationals, they had a losing record after 60 games and then went on to win the World Series. And so you yeah. could even see a team like the Marlins. I mean, let's say that the, Mar- the Marlins were in first place. And let's say that they kept on going the way that they were supposed to out of nowhere. The Marlins that everybody thought was the rebuilding Marlins that couldn't do anything wins the World Series. Yep. And, you know, you, what if they get these – what if they were required to get replacement players? And these replacement players are better than their old players. Right. And then they end up winning the World Series, right? So there's so much, right? There's so much here that um, you just can't crown a World Series champion and, and take it, you know, and treat it as if it's the same as the other beers. It's just very difficult to do. I agree with you. I, I really think that – this outbreak could really change a lot of things just in sports in general over the next few years, because who knows what is really going to happen in 2021 as well. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of people are thinking that this is just going to poof, go away. But in my opinion, th- this pandemic could be something that we could be dealing with for who knows the next two years or so. And it could really sort of ruin, in my, in my opinion, some of the competitiveness in sports. And it's very unfortunate too, because just solely looking at baseball, this is one of the most exciting times just with all these young players. And when you just really think about the whole more complex part of it, the service time, the salaries, yeah. the contracts, you know, people are aging out. You know, let's say a guy who's like 36, just trying to have like his last season right before he retires and then bam, has a 60 game season and he doesn't feel safe to play. It's just very unfortunate, the circumstances. Yeah. And you can even say the same for a guy like Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. who is in the prime of his career and he's playing a season that really doesn't mean the same. Right. He's he's missing a whole, pretty much the prime of his the prime seasons. So it is really unfortunate unfortunate all across the board to see this and especially with the minor leaguers they're trying to stay tuned up right now um without a season. They're just trying to they got to play it out as usual. So um it's it's a real shame across the board nobody really knows what they're doing. Kind of we're all kind of running with our heads cut off a little bit but um I guess what it came down to is the people wanted baseball. So I guess we have it. Exactly. I, I mean, in my opinion, this couldn't be a better time for baseball to start just to bring the country back together. And, and oh, one yeah. point on Mike Trout as well, something that ha- has really been, in my opinion, just I'm very proud of him that he is actually playing because in oh, August, his wife is going to be having a baby and he's missing all that just for the baseball season. So you really get to give a lot of props to him. Because, I mean, obviously, he's the face of the of the, of the MLB. And it would have been yeah. really tough for the MLB to 
you know, go on throughout this season without the face. But, you know, they got Christian Yelich, they got Cody Bellinger, they got Bryce Harper, you know, they got all these different people that can be the face. But Mike Trout is the best player on the planet, in my opinion. But just getting exactly. on to a little bit of like a lighter note of what have you, what have your thoughts been so far of the MLB season? Are you enjoying it so far? So personally, I am enjoying it just because I haven't seen, we have, I mean, obviously we haven't seen anything in a long, long time. Right. And um, it's good. It's good to see a little bit of normalcy instead of waking up and checking how many more COVID cases there are, or getting up and checking, you know, did the Blue Jays win? Did the Red Sox win? Right. right. And that, that gives us a little more normalcy in our lives that we haven't had since March. Mm-hmm. So um, I do wish, you know, obviously it can't happen due to the circumstance, but it would be very nice to see fans in the stands. It would be nice to see minor league baseball going on. But um, if this is the next best option, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it for sure. Exactly. In my opinion, I think it was either this or, or just nothing. And, and it would have been really tough for me to not have any baseball whatsoever. Uh, just because I, I bet like yourself, you were so excited for when it was going to start in, in late March. And then, oh, yeah, I was gonna then go. it extended I was gonna to go in March. Exactly. And, and then extended until uh, late April. But it's something where, you know, I'm kind of getting used to the fan noises, but it's obviously like really weird, like looking at Fenway, if somebody hits it into the monster and they got the cardboard cutouts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when I was supposed to go to the opening series in Toronto for the Blue Jays and Red Sox, and, you know, my dad brought up to me, oh, you know, this is, you know, because everything happened so quickly with the coronavirus, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So he he came into my room one day and said, hey, like, you know, don't be surprised. Not a lot of people end up going because they're, you know, the coronavirus. I'm like, oh, I'd still love to go. And, uh, well, it looks like I didn't have really much of a choice. Right. Uh, so, you know, it is, it is what it is. And, you know, try, try again next year, I guess. Exactly. I, I've just loved the competitive nature back. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I got to the point where I was watching the Korean baseball league just for any oh, yeah. sort of competitiveness. And I'm just like, I don't know any of these guys, but I just need to see some like actual sports. Yeah, something live where we don't know the uh, end of it and something we haven't seen already. I think that's something that's really that's really important because I as much as I love watching old, you know, Red Sox games and what have you, I think uh, I started to know the results of them, you know, by the end. So uh, I think this is good to see something that's unpredictable and uh, and live, especially last night. In my in my opinion, last night between the Dodgers and the Astros, that brought me back to normalcy of just unreal. Just like the brawl, you yeah, you could put brawl in quotations because, you know, they had to have their social distance brawl. But just like the Joe Kelly sticking out the tongue, you know, like the power. Imagine if oh my gosh. imagine if they didn't have the social distancing protocols in place and they could fight it out. I think I think that would have been one of the brawls, brawls of the year. Absolutely. I mean, they, they've been itching for it. They've been itching for it ever oh, since yeah. 2017, in my opinion. I know. No. So this has been. You know, even even cheating scandal or not, you know, the Astros, the Astros or the Dodgers have been quite frustrated over the past years, regardless of what the Astros have done. You know, the Dodgers haven't been able to get out of their own way. So, you know, they're trying to get revenge and the cheating just pours, you know, gasoline right on right all over it. So Joe Kelly, even though he wasn't even on the 2017 Dodgers, which is really funny, he just decided to throw himself right in the mix of it and get himself involved, which is great. I love it. That's Joe Kelly for you. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I just always flash back to the uh, Red Sox Yankees brawl. But one thing that I wanted to ask you about was uh, your opinion on, you know, players intentionally hitting the Astros. Because I, I just want to say something real quick. In, in my opinion, you know, it happened. 
It was in the past. So why are we get, why are we still dwelling on it? You know, why, yeah. why are we why are we throwing at guys' heads? Why are we just like trying tr- trying to just like hurt these guys? I, I I get to make a statement. I understand it. They already got their punishment though. They already got embarrassed yeah. in front of the whole not major leagues in front of all sports in the world. Like everybody world. knows that this that this team cheated. And in my opinion, just the reputations of guys like Altuve, Correa, Springer. You know. Anybody that was a part of that Astros team, their reputation is just tarnished. And in my opinion, like these are good players, even though that they oh, knew yeah. the pitch before. And you could say the same thing about, you know, they cheated in 2018, they cheated in 2019. I, I don't think so because they didn't get punished for it. Even if they did a little bit, I mean, you could say Every the same thing it. about, right. I mean, but you could say the same thing about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds cheated yeah. with steroids, but you got to be a good hitter. You got to, you, you need to be able to actually have some power to be able to hit as many home runs as he did. Obviously, it's Yeah, like, helped. in my opinion, yeah, like, I totally agree. Like, in my opinion, I think the Astros would have won the World, World Series regardless. Yeah. Um, and I'm completely with you about the, the hitting the guys because there are so many guys who are on that Astros team now who were not a part of that 2017 team, right? And they come there, and they're like, well, what's going on here? You know, I think the biggest thing you could do is just if you really want to get back at them, I think it's be- beating them. However, I do think Joe Kelly throwing at them added a little comedic aspect because it is Joe Kelly, right? Right, And he's just, you know, he's just Joe Kelly. He is what he is. Um, I wish he would have not thrown at their heads, but instead, you know, a little bit lower, but still all in good fun uh, for Joe Kelly. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that they've already served their punishment and they've already done their time. Um, the, the court of public opinion has already given them all life sentences anyway. So, And, and even me as a Red Sox fan, I'm surprised that I'm even saying this, but like, there's a massive difference, obviously, between the Astros and the Red Sox scandal. But both teams cheated in a sense, and yeah, so, so the Red Sox wouldn't really have a, like to stand on. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I mean, it's something that that I, I'm I'm just like so surprised that people are still talking about it. In my opinion, it already happened. They already got punished, and just get over it. Just just start playing baseball. And I understand. I, I think one of the biggest things too is that is that the Astros really had some half-assed apologies, and not a lot of players really like that. And maybe it's just because I don't have the experience, and I'm not putting myself fully in the perspective of a player who could have lost a whole championship because of somebody, do you know, cheating and, and you know, getting an upper advantage through cheating. And I I did the right thing. Obviously, I can understand that, and maybe. Just because I'm not in their place, I don't fully get it. But throwing at guys' heads three years later, come on, guys. Yeah. Come on. And I think that I think that in the age of social media, I think it, get, it becomes a lot more amplified too. Right. And also, also, you can pull quotes from the Dodgers that I found a little bit um, uh, not true when you're talking about Cody Bellinger saying that Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 2017. I just don't think that's true at all. I think Altuve was going to win the MVP regardless. Um, that's just my opinion. Yeah. And I think the Astros were going to win the World Series regardless because, you know, even people back then who didn't know about what was going on behind the scenes in Houston, we all knew how good of a team they were. Right. Regardless. Um, and I think that speaks for itself, right? And I think that exactly. I think they uh, I think they won pretty handily um, throughout the season. So they cheated. They got their, They got what they deserved. And I think it's time for baseball to move on. And I completely agree with you. And, and and it's just like really frustrated me over the you know the the time right before the MLB season when people were starting to doubt 
if the Astros would even have the talent that they have performed over the last like five years. And I, I, I just looked at that as, as complete absurd, just because in my opinion, Altuve was the same hitter that he was in 2017 in 2016 and 2015. I mean, if you just yep. look at the stats, he's always been one of the best average contact hitters and he might not have had all the power that probably helped. But I mean, when you look at a guy like Carlos Correa, he got drafted number one, you know, spring was drafted in the first round. I, I mean, you could, you could even say, say the same thing about any of the other guys on that team. It's it's just, it's just unfortunate, not unfortunate. I don't want to say that because, you know, they deserve <laughs> to get the rep that they have. Oh, for sure. But I, I, I mean, it, it's, I, I, like you said, the MLB just needs to grow up and just to be able to, or the players just need to just move on and continue with the game. But, oh yeah, you know, you, you can go all down the list and you, and you can see how, how proven that these guys are, you know, exactly. before 2017, after, um, I think that, I think you're right. Time, time to move on. Exactly. And one of the teams that I brought up in, in that last little rant was the Red Sox. And as you can see behind me, they're one of my favorite teams. And anytime I talk about the Red Sox, I usually try to take my Red Sox fan hat off and take the bias out of it and just look at it from an MLB fan. And that's what I'm going to do with this. So I want to just talk about the Red Sox a little bit and just how they have performed so far during the season. Oh. I, want, I want to hear your thoughts first. It's tough because obviously I'm not in the room with them and with the front office and the owners and whatnot, but it's really tough to see a big market team like this who, you know, I was, I was, I was talking the other day to one of my friends and I was saying that you never in my lifetime, I've never really seen the Yankees win below 81, 82 games. Right. Um, and that's because, you know, they never really go into a full rebuild. And I really don't see the necessity with that with the Red Sox either. And if they really want to get into the luxury tax, then, you know, I don't really see other teams of their magnitude trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they've drafted, they've, you, we can't lie. They've, they've drafted our, they've drafted some well, they've, you know, picked done some done well in the international free agent market with Devers, right. And Bogarts, but it's, it's important to, it's important to keep that together. And it's important to remember that these fans are always invested and will always sell at the park. But um, regardless of that, I mean, that might be a curse too, because they're like, okay, well we can do what we want. No matter what the people will show up, you know, and that's tough. To, that's tough to see, especially now. Exactly. I mean, just even, just even thinking about how the Red Sox have performed over like the last four games, I mean, it's something where to start the season, they scored 13 runs. It's just so anticlimactic. Like, are you kidding me? They got me so excited. Like, this is the 2018 team. And then, you know, they go, you know, the pitching just implodes. But, you know, everybody knew that the pitching was going to not be great. But I don't know why. Just because we got Heim Bloom and he's the guy who brought in David Price. He's the guy who brought in Chris Archer and like all these incredible guys from the Rays. I just thought that since he's so good at finding good pitching depth, that Heim Bloom was going to be the answer. But obviously, it's only been five games. Who knows yeah. what this team is actually going to do? Maybe everybody who's a Red Sox fan and who covers the Red Sox is just jumping the gun. And who knows? This team could be one of the best after 20 to 30 games. Who knows? But, I mean, the offense, it, it's just got so much high potential, and it's just not showing it. And the pitching, I mean, after Evaldi, you you just have nobody. You have no see. I'd love to see. I'd love to see them dip into the. You know, I love Zach Godley. I, I he won 15 games a couple of years ago. I think mm-hmm. that's a guy that was a good pickup. You know, a guy like Mike Fulton Evich, I think would be a great pickup. Got DFA'd by the Braves. 
Um, that's something, you know, he struggled this year, but it was an all-star in 2019. Right. You know, I don't see, I think this team should be willing to take some risks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, as much as analytics can be a positive, I think it can also be a negative depending on how, how you use it. Right. Um, and seeing an old school guy like Ron Renicki saying that, you know, he's just kind of handed the lineup from, you know, the analytics guys and doesn't really have much of a say. That's really tough to see, especially when I think the best baseball teams use a combination of both. Exactly. I think if you're going to rely purely on the analytics, I think you're going to have a have a tough time winning games, especially when you're running out Josh Josh Osich and Jeffrey Springs and uh, Hall. I don't even know who they're throwing Matt out Hall. there last night. Yeah. Matt, yeah. So I think I think it's really tough to win that way. The Rays did it right, and I don't think a big market team like the Red Sox really necessarily has to go in the same direction they did. I completely agree with you. I mean, the pitching is just is just something where, like I said, we, we knew it wasn't going to be great, but. I just had I just had a little bit better expectations than this. No, to where, to where you let up 21 runs in the last three games, and two of those games were against the worst team in baseball. It was just quite honestly just embarrassing as a Red Sox oh, yeah. fan. But I mean, like I said, who knows what what could happen? I, I mean, this team could find its way find its way back to 500 and to being a good team if they go on the road. Who knows? Like you, you know, they they could really find their stretch where they're actually, like, really good. Maybe these guys what are just think, a little bit rusty. What do you think that comes down to? What changes do you think they'd have to make? Um, or do you think it would just be just playing a little more games and having a little more experience? I think I think it's more of just playing a little bit more games and getting, in, mm-hmm. in, in, getting comfortable with the amount of new guys that the Red Sox do have, starting to understand which guy is best in which situation, not just yeah. throwing guys out there and seeing how they do, obviously, and like obviously, since the Red Sox are now such an analytical sort of team, they try and gauge which, which situation is the best. But I mean, it's just showed the last four games; it just has not worked out. Like, and I we, agree with we, you. Yeah. we even saw with how much confidence that the Red Sox put into Ryan Weber. I've been hearing hearing that Ryan Weber is going to be the fourth to fifth starter ever since March. And and yeah. w- what did I just see? I mean, he let up like six runs. But, I mean, here's the thing. It's their first start. It's their first time around the rotation. Who knows? I, I mean, it's important to take nobody, a deep breath, right? 100%. I mean, the Marlins were 3-1 and one the, like, but, but before this outbreak happened. I, I mean, yeah, as we saw last season, the Seattle Mariners were one of the best teams and the hardest oh, teams yeah. to start off the season. So, I mean, and as everybody talked about, kind of when the 60-game season started happen, or started being talked about, the Red Sox don't usually get off on hot starts. They use, I mean, no. even, even when they won in 2013, I think they started the season like two and six and everybody was oh, yeah. getting all scared. So, I mean, one thing I would like them to see, it would be uh, playing Alex Verdugo a little bit more because yeah. I think that they're afraid to play him against lefties, but he hits over 300 against lefties, you know? So I don't know what analytic is telling them is telling Ron Renneke and the Red Sox press to keep him out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't like it. So that's that's my opinion. That's my my two cents. I think he should be an everyday player. I agree with you. Verdugo is just a guy where it's going to be it's going to be tough on how uh, to platoon him and uh, Pilar and like because Pilar is like obviously like really hot right now. But as you oh, saw, Pilar's, Pilar's a man. Pilar's 100%. the man. But what you were able to see with Ver, um, Verdugo, where in his first start he went three for four. That was very impressive. But, I mean, that's the one thing that I love about the, this Red Sox team is that there's so much versatility just in the offense. I mean, the pitching, yeah. the pitching is just a whole disaster. But the, the offense, I mean, they got, they got like two or three guys that can play second base. They got two guys that can play first base. 
you know, you got four or five outfielders out there who are all very quality. And, you know, going into this season, I thought that they were going to surprise a lot of people. And obviously that's just the confidence that I have in this team just because of my fan bias. But I mean, maybe I'm just being too harsh on them and maybe everybody just needs to take a deep breath and start and just wait to actually evaluate them after 10 to 15, 20 games. Like, we normally do, yeah. but something yeah, that Mark no, Teixeira said that just has really been in my head and really making me nervous about this Red Sox team is since this season is unlike no other, that if you lose two to three games, you can just double that and, and say, and, and say, you know, if you lose three games, you just lost six games. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's no something doubt. where like, it, it, even if you get on a stretch where you're just really not doing well, that could, that could deteriorate the rest of your performance for the entire season, you know? Oh, easily. You know, it's, uh, it's, everything is worth, I think it's close to like 2.7, um, you know, times a game. So as Joe Kelly just got suspended at games, you can, you can double that. You can almost triple that. Right. right. Um, everything, everything is a little bit more magnified, which makes the season a little bit more exciting. So, um, we just kind of got to wait for everything to play out because, you know, the other thing is with this is if everything went great, if, you know, Jose Peraza was hitting 400, you know, if Martin Perez, you know, was throwing complete games and we'd be praising Heimbloom, right? Um, so it just goes to show you like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if, if we just, you know, if, if, if things played out, you know, it's easy to, it's easy for me to criticize sitting, sitting outside, you know, watching on TV, but I think uh, you're right. I, I think you're, there's always the potential for a turnaround, especially because these guys in the past have generally proven they can. So who knows, right? Exactly. And uh, just going off the Joe Kelly point, you know, when I saw eight games, I'm like, wow, that's actually a lot of games for the 60-game season. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. Big time. No, he's like – that's, you know, if you, what would that be? That would be over 20 games in a normal season. So mm-hmm. Exactly. So that, that is – yeah. So it, everything's different this year, and there's no really precedent. There's no real precedent on hand to handle any of these things like suspensions, but uh, it's kind of a – figured out as you go type deal. So we'll have to see how it goes. Exactly. I agree with you, Matt. And, and something that I want to go on to next is talking about your experience as a bat boy, because I mean, nobody actually realizes how much, uh, you know, accessibility that that bat boys actually get, you know, they get to hear the conversations that the players and the coaches have and really are able to be really close to the game. So I, w- I was wondering, what was it like to be a bat boy for a minor league team? It was probably the best, honestly, the best experience I've had in my life and something that I'll always remember, especially the 2018 team, um, but which, which had Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Lourdes Gurriel. Um, but the funny thing is, you know, as great as those teams were, I did also find enjoyment in the, in the bad Fisher Cats teams as well, because those guys are guys that I still stay in touch with and guys that, um, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget, you know, no matter if they're in the major leagues or not, um, Still, those experiences that I had and seeing them and watching them play pro ball, something that I'll never forget. Yeah, I bet. And I, I'm curious, like you, you, you just named off some really premier names who are now up with the Blue Jays, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, uh, Gurriel Jr. as well. So with being around those kind of guys, what was it like being able to make relationships with guys like that? So I just, you know, when I was in it, it was really hard to, I didn't take it for granted necessarily, but it was almost like so normal to me. Well, the coolest thing that I kind of, what I say is to try to picture this is um, like, you know, you're at school, you know, you're at, 
you're at your home, you're at your house and you go to work and you open the door and then all of a sudden you're in a major league clubhouse, right? It's like a whole different world. And then you see Vladdy walk by Kevin, Bo, Lourdes. It's just, um, it's, 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 it's really something else. And I think that, um, a lot of the relationships I had, you know, they just kind of depended on the guy, um, like Vladdy, uh, you know, I talked to him sometimes, but you know, I was always with him. But the one thing that kept us, you know, from not talking as frequently was, is the language barrier. Um, so sometimes I'd speak half Spanish, half English, you know, do what I do what I could. But um, he was always a great guy to have around. He's a very funny guy. Um, Kevin Biggio was a great guy. Um, got pretty close with got pretty close with him. Um, you know, I remember sometimes I go down to Hartford. I mean, two years ago around this time, I went to Hartford to go to go see all the guys, and I was in the clubhouse and just hanging out with Biggio and Bichette and Vlad. Probably about like five hours before the game, watching the cage, hanging out with them, talking. Um, you know, that's just it's just stuff like that I'll never forget. Um, and the relationships are huge because you realize more than anything they're normal, they're normal guys. They're really um, as much as you know that's that's what the job taught me the most is that how normal these guys actually are. Because you know, as much as you know, I look up to them now and see them on TV. Still, I just always remember seeing them in the clubhouse in New Hampshire and having conversations with them and sitting down and being there late at night with the with the boys. So that's something I'll never forget. Exactly. I, I bet it must have been like really incredible to be able to especially see where these guys are now. You'd be like, wow, oh, yeah. like, I made relationships with those guys. But I mean, you always see I, like I the person. Yeah. Right. I mean, you always see the personality that Vlad has, that Boba Shett has. And, I, and I'm curious, do you have any like interesting stories just over – I don't want to only focus on those guys, but like over your experience as a bat boy, do you have any interesting stories about, you know, like meeting different players or just like anything that you saw that might be worth sharing? Oh, for sure. So, you know, I think the best times with those guys just came with sitting down and hearing them talk baseball. And one of the coolest things um, was when I was just in the clubhouse and I was, you know, doing laundry, whatever. um, And it was after a road trip and, Bo had decided that after the road trip, after they got off the bus, he was going to go and hit more. And up pulls up his dad, Dante Bichette, which was, which was a really cool thing. Um, and I was talking with him, um, talking with his dad and just hearing how, just hearing their conversations and him talking to me and asking me questions and, you know, being there alone with them. Uh, that's something I'll never forget. Also being the same thing with like Nate Pearson, who's going to make a start first start tonight on uh, Wednesday. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's just stuff you never forget. The conversations you have when you're just alone with them in the room. Um, and you know, Vlad, I remember I knew Vlad was going to go up to AAA before anyone, because he accidentally spilled the beans to me, um, which is funny because he had a package and it was a bit, it was, a, well, it was, it was a package. He wanted it. He, he needed it to go ship to Buffalo and Buffalo is where the AAA team is for the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, I see what's happening here. I'm like, you're going to Buffalo. I didn't say that to him, but I knew exactly where he was going. And I said, oh, you know, I'll take care of it, whatever. So I took it and shipped it, whatever. Um, but that was funny that before any, any news outlet or anything picked up on it, I was able to find out when he was going to get called up to AAA, which is, which is really cool. That's really funny. And, and I mean, especially having a guy like Dante Bichette, who was such an incredible MLB player, having him walk in, he must've been like, wow, this, this is incredible. You do a double take, you do a double right. take, you know, when I, when I see him walking, he's this big, large and life guy, right. And here he is just talking with his son and you hear, you know, um, which is it's just a, it's just a very cool experience, and also um, just getting to see these guys on a human level. Because I would see them more in their street clothes and hanging out in the clubhouse and eating with them. You know, one like one time I you know I was splitting a pizza with Kevin Biggio. You know what I mean? We we just we we got a box of pizza and we're splitting it eating the clubhouse for a road trip, like just stuff like that. Um, 
but I think it all comes together when you see them on the big league level and you stay in touch with them. Um, I've, you know, talked to Kevin a little bit, talked to, talked to Bo Vlad, you know, a little bit since they've, since they've gone up. Um, one of the, one of the cool things was um, going to Fenway park and actually talking to the guys who are on the, who made it up to the blue Jays. That's when it all comes together. Um, guys like Randall Gritchick and Aled Diaz who rehabbed with the fish cats, but I got to be their chauffeur for a little bit. Which is which is a which is a good time driving back and forth in the hotel, driving driving to the airport in Boston. Um, so I got to know those guys and have conversations with those guys. And going to Fenway and seeing him, Guriel, um, you know, Gritchick, Guriel, Diaz, uh, Pan- Thomas Pannone, Ryan Barucki, um, just all those guys and seeing them. So talking them to them before the game next to the dugout, and you know, you feel almost very cool. And all the people ask, I know, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I worked with them. I was the bath boy. Right. Um, so that that was that's when it all comes together, and that's when it's really cool is when you get to see them on the big stage and see them do well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that that's that's why I just imagine when you when you're just telling the story, you just going up to the dugout and just being like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" And like they're trying to ignore all you know, like the autograph seekers, and they walk over and they're like, "What's up, Matt? How's it going, Provos?" Oh yeah, I know. I remember one time, Aladdin Diaz tried shaking my hand through the net. He was like, "Oh, what's up?" Because I I drove him to Boston a month before, mm-hmm. and. uh He's like, oh, I've never played at Fenway, but I'm like, he goes, I'll be there in a month. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll go. And sure enough, he was right there. Got to shake his hand, see him again. And Guriel, he was there because him and Guriel were throwing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yell, I yelled, at, I yelled at their name, and they, and they both came over and uh, was talking to him for a little bit. So that was that was very very cool. Uh, my sister was very. Like, my sister came with me to the game, and she was like, how'd you do that? I'm like, well, got lucky enough to work with them for a little bit. So <laughs> that's pretty awesome, man. I, I mean, it, you also got to not only get close to those guys, but also a lot of other incredible prospects and now MLB stars came through the double A system. So, you know, guys like Aaron judge, Juan Soto, who, who else uh, were you able to not, not make a relationship with, but, you know, have encounters with. So I remember 2016, um, there was uh, Andrew Benintendi and Yoel Moncada were playing for the Portland Seabugs. And unfortunately I wasn't working as a bat boy that day. I was up in the, I was working something else in the stadium that day, but I texted the clubhouse manager and I said, Hey, I said, if you need anything, any help, I'll do laundry. I'll do, you know, whatever, I'll, you know, just to get my foot in the clubhouse that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I'll, I'm said I'm there, you know, after the game, I'll, I'll come right down. And uh, the coolest thing was I was making, I, I, he directed me right to the manager of the Sea Dogs, uh, Carlos Fables, who now is a third base coach of the Red Sox. And uh, Carlos had me make photocopies of the lineup cards, hand them out to all the team. Um, after the game, you know, they had all their stats on them and everything. So I was handing them to Benintendi, Moncada. And then after, Benintendi came up to me and asked me if I was able to walk him out to the bus, which is very cool because there, there were about, you know, 100 autograph seekers out there waiting for him and Moncada. So I was lucky enough to be able to walk him and uh, Moncada out to the bus for a couple of days and got to be their little uh, their bodyguard, so to say. So that's crazy. That was another thing I'll never forget. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And especially now to see Benny, you know, in left field. Uh, I mean, he's been on the Red Sox for four to five years now. Yeah, that's something that, you know, I got got his right away, made sure to get his shirt, you know, right when he came up. Because, uh, you know, that was the first connection I really I really made was was with uh, was with Benny and, and Moncada. So that's something that will really stick with me forever. And, you know, when I when I imagined Vladdy and Kevin and Bo coming up, it was almost like that every day. That's how it felt every day. So um, just cool experiences all around. That's incredible, man. And, and just the last question, I was I was curious, you know, you brought up 2018 and that was the year that the Fisher Cats won the uh, championship for double A. So I was curious, what was that experience like, you know, winning a championship with a team as a bat boy? That was one of the coolest things um, for sure. So I remember 
it was, I was at school. I was, I already, I'd already moved into school, but I was still going back and forth from school to the stadium because thankfully I go to school close. So seeing the championship and seeing, and seeing that in person um, was unbelievable and seeing, you know, being there for the celebration and, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff. And we had a bunch of big, the big, the big wigs with the Blue Jays coming in, you know, to go see the championship. Um, obviously Bo was 20 years old. And um, so he wasn't drinking. Um even though some guys pressured him to, of course, he wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna bite. The, it was kind of they were all joking. Hey, Bo, are you gonna drink? Uh, no chance. He was never gonna do it. Um, but you know, it was it was just cool to see all that stuff behind the scenes. Um, and I've never won a championship myself, so I think this is quite the consolation prize. Uh, being on the bench and helping them, you know, grab bats and clean their cleats for a championship in 2018. I'll take it all day. Exactly. I, I mean. A, cha- a championship kind of energy after the game in the celebration. I, I met, I bet it must've been something like you've never experienced before. Oh, I know. And being covered in champagne, um, <laughs> you know, being in there and all the guys going crazy. That was something I'll, that was something I'll never forget. And um, going back to school with camp covered in champagne was a pretty cool story to tell as well. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I always remember anytime, you know, there's like a world series or anything. And there's a guy who's like 19, 20 years old. They always talk about, well, that guy's probably going to drink some ginger ale if they win this one. Oh, yeah. No, we, we, Bo, Bo had some water. Bo had some water uh, lined up for him. So he was all set. He had a great time, though. So the whole team, awesome. that was a great team. Everyone held each other accountable. There was a mix of veterans, mix, mix of young guys like Bo and Vlad and Kevin, um, with guy, and paired with guys who were a little bit older, like Craig Breslow, who was about 38, 39 on the team. Um, so it was honestly just a perfect mix of in perfect storm that led to the championship in uh, 2018. That's really cool, Matt. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate all the stories that you've talked about, not only just with your, your Bat Boy experience, but also giving your insight on all the MLB topics that we talked about as well. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's been an honor to come on. I've seen some of the lineup of guests you've had, and it's been quite impressive. So the fact that you asked me, I'm very flattered. And uh, it, was, it was a great time, and I can't wait to listen, to listen more in the future. Absolutely. And everybody, go out and go on to Instagram, follow everything MLB and support map i appreciate that jake thank you so much absolutely thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube